0: That time, the Sports Talker. Here's TJ Walker.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Sports Talker. Another beautiful day here in Kentucky, especially if you live in Louisville. The weather has just been great the last few days. I think there's a chance tomorrow might be the last hot day of maybe the year at least that's what I'm hoping for It might sneak into the 90s tomorrow but then there's gonna be some rain and we could see some very cool temperatures this weekend so I'm excited Uh, nothing like fall weather with football on and all that good stuff excited for the show today Uh, no guests just me a lot to talk about though there's a lot of UK news for the for the UK fans listening I think you're gonna enjoy today's show uh, there's uh, there's a little little something to talk about with U of L. U uh, of L football recruiting is really heating up. Uh, that was the big question about the Bobby Petrino hires. How is he going to be able to recruit? I thought all along that if he could win, recruiting would take care of itself. Now I will say I didn't think only two wins would be needed, but since the season started. His recruiting, Louisville's recruiting, has gotten a lot better getting some of their highest-ranked recruits. And I think that win against Miami showed a lot. It showed that the old Bobby Petrino offense is back. You might be able to play for a winner. You're playing in a much better conference than the last time he was in Louisville. So, so far, so good. You want to see Petrino and Louisville finish this class out strong, only likely to take three or four more players, which is crazy to think about with it only being September. Likely only take three or four more players, and then once you finish out the class, you got to hold on to these top guys because uh, the way football recruiting works, no no player is a safe commit until they sign an LOI, so definitely something to keep an eye on, but uh, Bobby Trino doing great job recruiting at Louisville. Kentucky football recruiting, uh, it's been a little quiet, they got a commit on Saturday, uh, but still recruiting at a very high level, likely to finish out the class. I haven't really spoken much about Damian Harris, UK's top uh, football target that Mark Stoops went to watch via helicopter on Friday. I might talk a little bit about that today. Today is the first day that college basketball coaches can go uh, visit recruits, go for in-home visits, go watch players work out, evaluate players in high school open gyms, whatever it may be. Back in the day, this was a, a very big day for recruiting. Uh, so far, in 2014, it's not as big. Coaches don't need to go to high schools to evaluate talent. You're not going to find any hidden gems and open gyms with the way the AAU period works. But it is a, a day where you can build on relationships, a big day in, in, in that sense. So uh, Calipari's busy today. He's going to be going to UK's top two targets, Jalen Brown and Malik Newman. He has in-home visits with both those guys. Uh, both those guys aren't going to announce their decisions till 2014, so you still got some time. USA Basketball playing right now live on TV. They're taking on Slovenia. Right now, Slovenia's got an early 8-6 to six lead, so we're going to be popping in and out of this game as we go. I- I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be... I'm going to be watching this game a little bit while talking on the radio. So if you hear me uh, hoot or holler, it'll have to go with this game. That game is on ESPN. So if you want to put the game on mute and listen to me, uh, then you're going to have a nice little Tuesday. I can promise you that. Yates, what what'd you think of DeMarcus Cousins' comments about Slovenia?
0: Um, About not knowing where it was, about asking the guy if he knew where Alabama was.
1: Yeah, the witty, the little witty back and forth. Supposedly, some European journalist had a, had an attitude or had kind of had a snarky tone when asking Demarcus Demarcus Cousins if he even knew where Slovenia was, and Demarcus Cousins replied, uh, "Do you even know where Alabama is, where Demarcus Cousins is from?" And I'm assuming the European journalist did not. Uh, I don't know what his response back to Demarcus Cousins' question was, but a nice little back and forth and a, a very witty response from Demarcus Cousins. Uh, you, you find that funny, Yates?
0: Yeah, good for him. I, I mean, not letting himself be made to look like a fool.
1: It was just a, 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 a that is such like a European type of question to ask. It's such a a foreigner question to ask. Not a foreigner to America, but a foreigner a, a question that you would ask a foreigner. Uh, just trying to make them look stupid or try to play the disrespect card for whatever type of story they're trying to to write. Uh so a, a smart response from DeMarcus Cousins. The big question is, he obviously didn't know where Slovenia is. Yates, do you know where Slovenia is?
0: Um not right off the top of my head. I don't I don't know that I could point to it on a map without a label.
1: I don't know exactly where it is. I know the I know it's close to Italy. It's it's a very small country. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's east of Italy. Uh but again, very small it's just a stu- just a stupid question to ask what, like what nba player minus kobe bryant who can speak italian and has some italian roots what an nba player would know where silvini is uh, i would say 99% wouldn't anyways I, I like that demarcus cousins gave that answer it, does it hurt you, Yates, to like something that Demarcus Cousins did? And maybe not so much you. You're, you're. So many UVO fans just absolutely despise Demarcus Cousins, and I, I, they can't do. He can't do any right in their opinion.
0: Um, uh, I, w- I won't say that I'm his biggest fan, but uh, I don't, I don't necessarily hate him. I guess. Yeah. I, I did enjoy his uh, back there. I guess it was during the finals. His his one-on-one with. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel, I, I watched that and thought that was pretty entertaining.
1: I don't even know if I saw that. I, I've seen him read his mean tweets before, which have been pretty funny.
0: He, I, believe, uh, I believe he had to play with a a large like marching band drum on, if I remember correctly, <laughs> while Jimmy Kimmel obviously played normally.
1: I, I, I did not see that. I might have to look that up after the show today, uh, but... The I, I get why Louisville. DeMarcus Cousins is that player that if he's on your team, he is your favorite player. If he's not on your team, you, he's your least favorite player. He's because he's loud. He's uh, emotional, very outspoken, and his demeanor on the court. Uh, so I understand why Louisville fans don't like him. Although he only played one year, in Kentucky, and it's been uh, what five years now since he played. I think most Louisville fans, it's probably time to move on. But uh, the way that rivalry works is, I don't know if there's really ever a time to move on. So we'll we'll pop in and out of this game. United States has regained the lead. And I think this is uh, the quarterfinal. So we're we're two games away from seeing the the United States versus Spain matchup. I'm curious to see if that game does happen. I think that would be on Sunday. Who would be the, the favorite in that game? Because uh, on the one hand, I think United States is better. But on the other hand, Spain, that's been kind of the same team they've had in Olympics, other FIBA World Championships. Uh, it's been together long, much longer. They've played together much longer. Where this United States team is a completely different team than the Olympic team two years ago. They basically just bring in younger talent for the FIBA World Championships. Let the veterans, for the most part, play in the Olympics, and it's, it's ever-changing every two to four years. Spain has had the same core for a while. Also, the championship, it's in Spain, so you're going to have a very pro-Spain crowd. I wonder what, what the line would be in a game like that on Sunday. I would guess uh, most of the money would go towards the United States just because it's, it's the United States. And I feel like Vegas would feel they, they could make more money setting the line for the United States. So uh, maybe USA given four would be my guess. Uh, I guess we might be able to find out Friday or Saturday, uh, whenever that may happen. Watch some of the UK Ohio game today on replay. I want to talk a little bit about that later. Uh, again, UK's offense started off really well. It didn't seem like they could do any wrong. But then things changed in a hurry after UK's first two scoring drives and, and I think that one of the biggest things that really bothered me if you're a UK fan is when it, when UK got the ball down I think Dorian Baker caught the pass to set it up had a first and goal from the two and then the play calling just went out the window that that possession right there I think kind of changed the game for UK's Offense. I think UK's offense after that point uh, became a little hesitant. I think the confidence they had from the UT Martin game and the two previous possessions, I think, uh, had they lost all that confidence instantly. You're on the two two yard line. You have a, a first in goal. You've got three chances to punch it in, and you end up losing a bunch of yards. So I, I think after that point, UK's offense changed. I mean, uh, and I wanted to talk. A little bit about why u k can't do the things they did on that possession obvious that might might seem like an obvious statement they need to score, and then u k ends up missing Kenneth Reed with just a monster dunk. I don't know if he'll ever be a, a top 10 player in the NBA, but he's going to be a i don't know if it's in a, I don't know if it's going to be in Denver, but he's going to be a very important player to a very good team one day. Just the energy he plays with you can't match. And his skill level has—I don't know if there's any player in the NBA from college to uh, where he is. I guess he's been in the league three or four years now. I don't know if there's any player that has gotten their skill set has gotten better over that course of time more than Kenneth Reed. Still not, you know, an offensive powerhouse, but can do enough. And defensively, just already one of the one of the better players in the NBA. United States up nineteen to fifteen. We'll we'll keep again. I'll I'll keep you updated on that game. But UK, so they get the first and goal. I think all confidence was shot after this. On first down, they run a fade to I believe Demarco Robinson. I, I first off with the wide receivers that were healthy for UK. At that stage of the game, if you're going to run a fade for UK, you're going to run a fade to Javis Blue, who hasn't played a game this year, or Blake Bone, which at the time was on the sideline with injuries after taking a big hit. If you run a fade to anybody else, uh, that's not a good move, in my opinion. You can't throw a fade to somebody that's six-one. Or six foot or smaller, a six one maybe, six foot or smaller, just a, a, a not a good decision. Yes, there's athletic people that can jump uh, at six foot, but with that short of time, it's too hard to get positioned against a cornerback that's likely going to be the same size, maybe even bigger. So a bad decision, if you're going to run a fade, run it to somebody that's bigger and, and can go up and get it. That's not uh, that's not you know some crazy thought that I have. That's common sense. So on second down, Kentucky runs it right up the middle. Nothing there. Kentucky at that point hadn't really been able to run up the middle. Uh, Stanley Williams' run was up the middle, but it was a, in a spread set. So they had everything spread out. They spread out Ohio's defense, and then they attacked up the middle. And this, it was very clogged. UK's offensive line hadn't done a great job up to that point. It just didn't seem like a good a good call, in my opinion. Nothing going there. Why not let Tolls get it in the shotgun and look at some of his options and even run him? You end up running him 22 times that game. Why not let him decide hey, okay, give him four or three options in the passing game and also the option to run. He's big enough where he, if he's got to get two yards, he can basically just fall forward and get it. The next play was a sack. Not really the coach's fault, not really Toll's fault, but you had to I think the coaches should have probably known that maybe pressure was going to come. And, and it's also Toll's fault a little bit. He's got to be be smarter as a quarterback at the line of scrimmage to be able to read that. Ohio didn't even try to disguise it. So if you're Tolls, you need to figure something out. Also, if you're Neil Brown, you might need to consider you've got a quarterback that's only starting. His second game is a sophomore. Ohio's bringing the blitz. I wonder if he knows what he needs to do. The answer was no. And UK got sacked and set up a, a 28-yard field goal that they ultimately missed. So not their finest hour coaching-wise, in my opinion. And you can't do that stuff against Florida on Saturday. UK believes they can win. I genuinely believe that they think they can win. But you you can't make big mistakes like that inside the 10-yard line, inside even the red zone. Florida's planning to orange out the game in Gainesville couple things one that won't be a sold out crowd florida's attendance has been terrible lately attendance across the nation is struggling kentucky's one of the few places that attendance is actually getting better it's just not really fun to go to games anymore you can not fight traffic not fight ticket prices not fight concession stand prices not make it a six-hour event, watch the game in your house, and have the luxury of your own beer, your own couch, your own TV, and being able to watch multiple games at once. And no place has really been hurt more than that from Florida. Also, they had a terrible year last year. Let's not forget that. DeMarcus Cousins has more steals in this tournament uh, for a center than any player I can remember. just gets a breakaway steal, slams at home. He's excited the United States is starting to roll up 11 against Slovenia. I wonder what some fun facts about Slovenia are. What are they known for? Was Slovenia in the in the United States World Cup group? Slovenia and Algeria Yates in 2010?
0: Um in 2010 I'm not sure. It's, it's possible, but I don't remember specifically.
1: I think it was. It, because the, they have a flag that is white, blue, and red, but they wear this lime green color that is not on the flag, and, I, and I'm pretty sure that might have been the game that... Was that the Landon Donovan game, or was that Algeria?
0: The Landon Donovan oh. game was Al- Landon Donovan game was Algeria.
1: Okay. So the Slovenia game was the game that the United States was hosed on. Yeah, it was okay. So they did play. So that's when I think of Slovenia. That's what I think of the 2010 World Cup group, and obviously, so Slovenia did not make a return appearance. It must be a mountainous region, Slovenia, because they always they they always have mountain outlines on all their jerseys, soccer or basketball. They've got a lot of fans here in Spain too. It looks like according to this TV, so they they like to travel as well. Oh wow! I just did a big crowd shot, and there are tons of people wearing lime green. So good, good, good for uh, Slovenia fans. They're going to get to watch their season come to an end against the United States might have a better return trip in the World Cup or in the Olympics in two years. Slovenia also was the team that would have advanced if the United States didn't beat Algeria in 2010. So I bet Slovenians don't like America. Not that the rest of the the world is thrilled Or or loves America, but I bet Slovenia isn't huge fans. I don't know. Brun DMC tweets in, did interesting facts about Slovenia and the Slovenian language. I'll have to read this through the break and see if there's actually anything interesting in there. Oh, over half the country is covered by forests, so uh, that's exciting. And there's 28,000 wineries, according to Brun dmc So there you go. For the wine lovers listening to the Sports Talker here on 1450, the Sports Buzz, if you're looking for a place filled with wineries, and Slovenia is not a big country, so to have 28,000 wineries almost makes me think that everybody there has a winery. It's got to be a competitive wine, wine field in Slovenia. 28,000. We're gonna to head to our first commercial break. We're gonna come back, talk a little more Kentucky, Florida football, uh, a little, a little more recruiting news, and come back here on the Sports Docker fourteen fifty, the Sports
0: Buzz. Now back to the sports talker with TJ Walker.
1: And we're back here. Second segment of the sports talker here on 1450, the sports buzz. We were getting into some fun Slovenia facts before we went to the break. might be popping in with one or two of those uh, as we move forward in the show today. So, Oh, there's only there's one vineyard for every 70 people according to Brun DMC. That's That's a lot of that's a lot of vineyards. Quite a few. How does that even I it I can't even imagine. It, it, you would think that almost all the world's wine would come from Slovenia. And and people love getting married vineyards. So I wonder if Slovenia is the wedding capital of the world on top of everything. Anyways, we'll we'll keep we'll keep the Slovenia fun facts coming. Uh, John Calipari in the news again. He's going to have basically an MBA Type of combine for his UK teams October 11th through and the 12th. He's invited every uh, scout, NBA officials from all 30 teams to come watch his team practice, play, basically do drills that you'd see at an NBA combine. I, I'm a little bit surprised it's taken this long for them for him to do something like this. Uh, not that you know, I had thought of this a, a while back, but when you hear about it, you, you almost think to yourself, "Oh well, I'm sure, I'm sure they've done something similar to this, and I'm sure there has been times where the, there's been NBA scouts, uh, plenty of NBA scouts at a certain practice." I guess there's just never been a time where they've invited all of them to one. But John Calipari's uh, thinking is, let them all be there. We will run them through specific drills that will be more beneficial for these NBA scouts than normal. They'll get to see them do these drills. We've got nine, ten players that could play in the NBA, uh, have added NBA scouts. And then he, and John Calipari, goes on to, is, according to sources, goes on to say that they might not let NBA scouts into the practices for the next few weeks. Uh, th- that's a, that, I think, may be one of the smartest moves of all. Uh, there's no doubt that it's going to be a, ben- a very beneficial time for UK, those, the, the month that the team's able to practice every day after Big Blue Madness. Before the start of the season, there should be a lot of learning going on there. John Calipari will get uh, virtually as much time as he wants with this team as possible. It could be good for them to not have NBA scouts in the building, uh, not try to have naturally, you know, players will be trying to impress the scouts, maybe do a little bit more instead of trying to connect as a team. And I don't know this for sure, but possibly that was maybe one of the reasons why last year's team, a team that was considered to be very stacked, and it was, uh, didn't didn't click early on in the year. Maybe it was. I, I don't know. But here's where, th- this is a good idea. It, it could have a long-term benefits for the season moving forward if you don't have NBA scouts there. But here's where it's really smart. One, John Calipari is visiting Malik Newman and Jalen Brown today and five of the top ten recruits in the coming in the next two to three weeks. And he announces this today that he's having an NBA combine for one of his team's practices. Cause they have nine or 10 guys that could go to the NBA after this year. You don't think that's going to be brought up in these in-home visits. There's no doubt. These players will be talking about it. There's no doubt that John Calipari decided to do this today to announce this today, a, a very smart recruiting move from his part. Another thing. It is September 9th. NFL season just completed week one. College football is going into a week three uh, week three that has some very exciting matchups. And a lot of national media today we're talking about John Calipari and his plan to run an NBA combine at a practice. Right in the heart of football season. With The entire country focused on football. NFL fans are still optimistic, even for the bad teams. It's only been one week. The worst you can be right now is a game behind. Everybody's still on the football train, but for a day in September, they're talking basketball because of John Calipari's idea. It's a very smart move on his part. I don't know. I, I don't know how John Calipari's legacy is going to be nationally when he does hang it up, basketball wise. Right now, I think his the the way he is perceived from a national media standpoint is uh, a great recruiter, so so coach, questionable pass. I think most people are starting to get over his questionable past at Memphis and UMass. Uh, There's some people that are never going to get over it. There's some people that are always going to think when they think of John Calipari, they're, they're going to think about that. And that, and that's okay. That's understandable. It's probably not right, but it's not a surprise. But I think people are starting now to move from that to the notion that, okay, He's a great recruiter, maybe one of the best ever. Anthony Davis just had a block that I think went as high as the Slovenian mountains. So people are, I think, when he hangs it up, if he were to hang, if he were to retire tomorrow, people would say he's a great recruiter, average coach, always competitive because he had some of the top talent in the in the country. But I think an underrated part, uh, besides from his coaching, I think he's a a pretty good coach, too. You don't go to more Final Fours than non-Final Fours in your UK tenure without being a pretty good coach. I think an underrated part is just how big of a, a marketing genius he is. He's always doing something to stay in the news at times where UK basketball shouldn't be in the news. And I I don't know if this is his doing, if he's got some good advisors kind of giving him a heads up and telling him what he needs to do or different ways to stay relevant. But just such a smart move to do the day of the open period in college basketball recruiting. This is just a a recruiting tool, and I I don't know. I, I think there was a quote... from an NBA scout. I don't know when I where I saw it basically saying that we're just we're just all going to go there yes to watch a few basketball players but basically to be a part of a recruiting video of us filing in and leaving eventually. And that's not that's not false. That's very true. So smart move from John Calipari being able to uh, make this to make this a top a topic in the news, uh, especially a busy news day. All things considered, with the Ray Rice news, uh, NFL Roger Goodell being in the news, the Penn State news. I need to talk about Penn State for as much negative attention that Ray Rice is getting. It's almost, I I don't, you can't really compare negative topics with one another and criminal acts. You can't really, is harassing and molesting childs worse, is, is that worse than domestic abuse? You can't really compare those. They're, they're equally evil. Both are terrible. But the news in Penn State, I think, almost should overshadow the Ray Rice news. Ray Rice news, it, it happened for, in terms of the Ravens. And Ray Rice, it should be over. Ray Rice made a mistake that he's got to live with the rest of his life. He was fired at his job because of it. Will always be thought of as a woman beater for the foreseeable future. And he's got to live with that, but I think I I think it's time for us to move on. I I think it's time for us to move on from that, from that part of it. It's all up to Ray Rice from where he goes from here. Now, the NFL, on the other hand, they're not they're not off scot free because uh, it's a lot of he said she said with whether or not they had the videos, they requested the videos, they received the videos and saw them they never requested them Uh, whatever it is there's a lot of question marks with how involved the NBA was with this Ray Rice investigation and it's going to be a little bit before we find out the truth as of right now though it's not looking good for Ray Rice or excuse me it's not looking good for Roger Goodell in the NFL it's still not looking good for Ray Rice and it, it probably won't ever look good for Ray Rice, uh, but it's starting to not look good for Roger Goodell in the sense that they maybe never asked for the videos or, one, they saw the videos and do, didn't do anything about it. I don't know which one is worse. But nobody outside the NFL is saying, yes, they asked for them, we didn't give them to him, or no, they never saw them. Whether it's TMC Or the New Jersey State Police. Uh, I think the state police are saying that the NFL never asked for video. And I think TMZ is saying that they never asked the casino for video. And other sources are saying that they had seen the video through secondhand sourcing or whatever it may be. No matter what, no matter, no matter, there's no good news coming to the NFL in this regard. So that's going to get ugly for them. But that aside, I feel that the stuff going on with, Ray, with Penn State is more disturbing. So yesterday, the NCAA says Penn State's immediately eligible for Bulls. If they get to six wins this year, they will go to a Bull, and their number of scholarships will be returned to the, the NCAA standard. And remember that the NCAA took all this away because Penn State let – Sandusky get away with all this for years. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that that's not really in the news. What Sandusky did is really in the news anymore because it just kind of was troubling and gross to read about it and hear about it. And it probably wasn't the NCAA's place to do this. Uh, it probably should have been the police's place. But again, you, you, the NCAA, felt, uh, I guess the NCAA felt that as the governing body, they needed to step in. And the NCAA stepped in, and whether or not you think that was wrong or right, that doesn't really matter. The fact is, uh, they wanted, and they kind of pushed Penn State to forget about everything that Joe Joe Paterno had done at Penn State. That it was kind of a black mark, and they needed to to get rid of it. So Penn State did it. And there was a lot of Penn State fans that weren't happy about it. It seemed like the majority, they rioted when all this happened. They flipped over news vans. They threw stuff at police. They did all sorts of things that I'm sure a lot of those students regret. So what do they do last night when uh, the NCAA says, okay, you guys, are, you guys are good. Hopefully you all learned a lesson. We might have made a mistake in giving you all such harsh penalties. Let's just forget about it. The whole situation is messy. It's ugly. Let's move on. What does Penn State, what do their, their students do? They riot. They have celebration. They go out there. They yell. They chant. They cheer. They cheer for Joe Bertonno. They chant 409, which is how many wins he had before the NCAA vacated. Uh, over, well over a hundred. They were demanding to fi- They were demanding and chanting. Where's the statue? The statue of Joe Bertonno that was taken down. I don't care where. I don't care if you think Joe Paterno didn't know or did know. Well, I do care because there's no way that he didn't know. There's no way that he was completely blind to everything that Sandusky was doing. But let's say he knew the minimal amount. That maybe uh, Sandusky was just kind of a an oddball. program, when an employee is using your facilities and having kids shower in them, even if you don't know that's going on and you don't try to cover it up, you're still to blame for that. It's happening under your watch. And for the, the fact that Penn State fans still cheer this guy in such a Almost parading him is unbelievable. It's it's sickening. It, it really makes you wonder what the people at Penn State are thinking. It really does, and it almost makes you it, it almost makes you not want to root for Penn State going forward. And I like James Franklin, and I hope he does. a I hope he wins. I, I it was fun to watch his teams at Vanderbilt. Even if it meant that UK was losing and moving towards the basement or staying in the basement of the SEC, and Vandy was moving past them, it was fun to watch that progress. Because as a even if you were a UK fan, you had to think, okay, well, if, if Vandy can do it, then UK can eventually do it. Because if Vandy can win like they did, then you bet Kentucky can win. Kentucky's twice the football program that Vandy is, and you're already seeing Vandy collapse. So you like James Franklin. He's fun. He's exciting to watch. He's a great recruiter. He brings life. But with the fans and the students at Penn State, you almost don't want him to do well because you, you think to yourself, they don't really deserve it. So that, that was hard to watch last night and see on Twitter and see on news sources about the, the rioting at Penn State. Penn State, you were out of the news. It was over. Everybody had moved on. You got your bull wins back, but then you remind everybody, you remind everybody by celebrating it of just how ugly that whole incident was a few years ago. It's the way to go. We're going to head to our last commercial break here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Stay, stay tuned. USA up 46 to 34. Break
0: from the warfare in your house. is <laughs> The
1: soldiers bailing.
0: You're listening to The Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450, The Sports Buzz.
1: And we're back here. One final segment. Rob Blackhawk tweets in, says, good show today. A lot of hot takes coming from me. I don't really like to get on my soapbox and talk about hot issues just because uh, I, everybody talks about those issues. And I, I if I try to follow the mold of other shows talking about the same things they talk about, uh, they're probably going to be better at talking about those hot topics and having hot takes more so than I will. I'm just 23. What do I know? But in a situation, I was a student. I was in Lexington in 2012 when UK won the championship. Students do dumb things and celebrate any chance they they can to celebrate. I just think if you realize, if you take a step back, and you might be the biggest Penn State fan in the world, and your brothers might have and sisters might have gone to Penn State, and your dad and your mom might have met at Penn State, and your grandpa went to Penn State, and during that, for the most of that time, Joe Paterno might have been the coach there, and you grew up watching Penn State football. It might be so hard to be able to realize that he is not completely innocent in this matter, and if even if you were somewhat guilty in the stuff that went on at Penn State with Sandusky. That's a big, big mistake. Huge. And as I've said on this show several times, and whether it's been Ray Rice or any player that has done something awful, mistakes happen. And I, th- I think I've talked about it with uh, to a much smaller, a, a drastically smaller degree with recruits that get kicked off one team and go somewhere else. Uh, You know, Louisville's done it. A a lot of places do it. I I am a believer in second chances, and I think that you can make mistakes and and bad things happen. Wrong place, wrong time. Not always saying you should get off scot-free. You know, there's consequences for mistakes, even if it's your first time making a mistake. But Joe Paterno made a mistake. It doesn't make him just a completely terrible, awful person. But he made a really big mistake there. And I don't think he should be a person that an entire university celebrates. So the fans, for them to do that and to chant him like he's some sort of almost – Godly is completely disgusting, but I don't, I don't, I don't like to do that. Sometimes I just get caught up in uh, getting in these rants. Let's talk a little more football. I, I, I'm kind of torn here with UK football. They're going, they're going to be without some key players against Florida. It doesn't sound like Javis Blue is going to play. Like we mentioned yesterday, he's day to day, but it's not looking good. Sounds like Jeff Bidette still has a, a little ways to go. Some scary stuff with Zach West, who has, as Mark Stoops said, a strange issue. It might be some nerve damage. He might be ready for this week. He might be ready next week. He might not be ready for a few months. It sounds like Kentucky is genuinely concerned about his injury and, and kind of baffled by what's going on. So U.K. might be without some key players for Florida. Badette and Blue are a big part of the passing game. Haven't obviously seen them this year. Alexander Montgomery's also out, uh, but he's been out for a while. Sounds like Braylon Hurd may play. In the old days of U.K. football, this would be a game at Florida where if you're Kentucky, if, if somebody's is uh, questionable or banged up at all, you sit them out and you don't let them play because you're going to lose at Florida and there's no there's no use of getting them more injured as the season goes on. So I, I'm curious what UK is going to do. If, if somebody is really you know, 50-50, they can play, but they're not 100%. I wonder if UK holds them out or lets them go. I I think that speaks to how confident UK is in this game. I'm not saying play an injured player, but let's say this was a a game, the last game of the year, Kentucky had five wins. They had to win to go to a bowl. I wonder if if, if it would change. UK does get a bye next week after the Florida game, and then they play Vandy, which could be UK's first SEC win since Kentucky beat Tennessee with, Matt Rourke a few years back. So I'm curious to see. I think it will say a little bit to Kentucky's confidence if they play some of these banged up guys. And I'll never know. We'll never know just how injured some of these people are. It sounds like Jeff Bidette's eye injury is very serious. Alexander Montgomery, that's a knee issue. You you really probably don't want to mess with that. A guy with Javis Blue, who knows, Zach West, another weird injury. Braylon Hurd, it sounds like he could and should go. So we'll just have to wait and see with what UK, how they use these guys. On the flip side, if you don't think you're going to beat Florida, Florida's a huge favorite in this game, 17 points, I believe. Then Then it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to rest these players. Give them two weeks to get ready and have everybody full go against Vandy. I really liked... The way Kentucky's bye week set up this year, I think they set up for uh, set up well for the season as a whole. Having a bye week in week four is early, but I I think it's good the way it's set up. Then you get Vandy and South Carolina back to back weeks. Uh, You got to beat Vandy for UK this year. That just has to be a win. Vandy's played two games, both home games, to Temple and Ole Miss, and got absolutely smacked both games. There's no way UK can justify a loss to Vanderbilt and Lexington this year. And then South Carolina, at that time, Kentucky could be 3-1 with South Carolina coming to, uh, coming to Lexington on a Keeneland football doubleheader day. So the bye week set up well. You want UK to be 100% healthy going into both these games, so maybe you do sit them. I don't know. We'll see. The second bye week is the last week of the season before Louisville. So you might as well get as healthy as you can, get two weeks to prepare for Louisville. Louisville's got Notre Dame that week. That's going to be a tough game for them. So I do think the bye week set up well, especially if you end up having a bowl game Then I think they set up really well. I think UK's still a little ways away from having a bowl game. Uh, There's plenty more stuff I wanted to get to today and didn't have time to. Uh, That's the way the show goes. When you only got an hour and you get in a rant, it can do that. You can forget to talk about certain issues. The USA game, still going on. It's at halftime, United States with the lead over Slovenia. So make sure you check out the the second half and stick around on 1450, the sports buzz. We'll be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then.
0: They say, welcome to the 502. Take a Georgia boy, show him how Kentucky do. Uncle Priest, classics, paint Kentucky blue. They say, don't forget to 7 no be hitting two. Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home. Take a shot of chrome. Lay back in the left and take